our fun question of the day is would you rather have unlimited sushi for life or unlimited tacos <laughs> this is not hard at all for me tacos it is um i do not okay i can't say that i don't like sushi because i never had it it just it looks nasty it sounds nasty i know what y'all thinking i'm not a fan there is no convincing me give up um yeah i don't know it's just i can't i can't i just can't that's i just can't anyways just give me the tacos but i got something for y'all people out there who like to put like sour cream on your tacos i think you need to repent and be saved i do not like sour cream i like my tacos basically like the taco the meat and the cheese the cheese is very 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 important and of course like the sauce or the sauce whatever you call it is this salsa or i don't know anyways i got to have just those ingredients nothing else you go in there and you like you ask for your little taco and then you say a little bit of lettuce and they give you an entire caesar salad up on your taco and that's disrespectful like we need to start report is there a hotline you can like report businesses for stuff like this because i got a few businesses in mind that i would like to get some investigation started on because it's just not right it's just not right it's not what i asked for um so i just stopped asking for that like it's just just get the meat the cheese the taco the sauce on it and then you know leave everything else alone i don't like tomatoes on my taco like even if i get the lettuce on there i don't like the tomato on the taco i just think that's ungodly and especially the sour cream um but i really really do so i only eat one brand of hot sauce that's the frank's red hot sauce but when i eat tacos I love having the Taco Bell brand of hot sauce. And here's the crazy part. I don't really care for Taco Bell. Like, I do not think their food is the best. Of course, we all know that McDonald's is the best restaurant. And I feel like if I want tacos, if I want like some, some real tacos, then I'm going to just go to a place, you know, like an authentic, you know, Mexican restaurant. I just feel like if you go in for like some food some chinese or mexican and they speak the perfect english behind the counter you at the wrong place that's not where you need to be <laughs> that's not what you need to be and maybe cheaper it may be easier because there's a reason behind that um so i want to go somewhere where i got to point to everything because don't nobody speak english except you know the son or the granddaughter working in the back um because that's where you get the authentic food at but my problem with that though is when i go to like an authentic mexican restaurant i learned and see i didn't know this but i learned that at authentic mexican restaurants they don't put cheese on the taco or the burrito i was shocked I was also very, very heartbroken because I got all the way home and completely forgot to, you know, ask him to put cheese on it. Um, so the next time I went, right, to get my taco, 
and I asked him to put cheese on it. The lady gave me the most stank look like I was doing the wrong thing with my life. I'm just trying to live my life. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm out here just trying to be successful and trying to be peaceful and loving and, and all that good stuff that you're supposed to be in life. Put my cheese on that taco lady and give me my taco so I can go. Uh, but <laughs> that's Lamar coming out right there. That's definitely Lamar. <laughs> um, but I, I, it would definitely have to be the unlimited tacos. But there's no reason for you to give me the unlimited tacos if I can't get the sauce, if I can't get the, the cheese, um, and, of course, the beef. I, I do like the steak tacos, though, okay? I, I'm not a huge fan of steak. Like, I don't eat a lot of steak. But I am a huge fan of the steak tacos. Those are really good. Um, but I need different ingredients with that because I can't have the steak tacos, like, with the salt. It's just it's too complicated. Just give me the all beef with the sauce, the cheese, and the taco shell. And I think we could also, I, I like the soft shell. I don't want the hard shell. Just give me the soft shell because it'd be too much work with the hard shell. And I don't want to have to fight for my food. I just want to be able to eat my food and enjoy myself. So give me the soft shell and all the ingredients that I asked for. And that's it. And then y'all can do whatever y'all want to do um, with that sushi. And that's it. Alrighty, in a moment, you're going to get your real life moment and my updated guesstimation on the election this week. You're also going to hear my thoughts on guns and gun laws. But first, your news. It's already hits a little close to home. 13 men have been arrested in Michigan in connection to a domestic terrorist plot intended to kidnap and kill Gretchen Whitmer, who was the first term Democratic governor. The group of men, including two US, U.S. Marines, are being charged with crimes, including conspiracy to commit kidnapping and providing material support to terrorist activities. Federal authorities detail how some of the men had stalked uh, instead out the governor's vacation home in northern Michigan and planned to detonate a bomb to divert law enforcement away from that home. The group met repeatedly, according to the FBI, over the summer for firearms training and combat drills. The men indicated that they would take Whitmer to a secure location in Wisconsin for what they deem as a trial. Seven of the men are known to be a part of the extremist group Wolverine Watchmen, who had also planned to target police officers in an attempt to start what they claimed to be civil war and societal collapse. All of this, they say, is due in response to executive orders the governor imposed as part of the pandemic response, which includes closing or stopping business activity and in order to wear masks while in public spaces. Louisiana is cleaning up after a second hurricane in just six weeks. 700,000 people are without power as locals attempt to return home to clean up again. Hurricane Delta is the 10th named storm to hit the continental U.S. this year. This hurricane breaks the record set in both 1916 and 2020 of nine named storms hitting the U.S. The storm hit with 100 mile per hour winds, uh, with the city of Lake Charles being among the hardest hit. Temperatures are not going to be in your favor if you're in the hardest hit areas. We've got really high 80s, low 90s expected throughout the week, which means getting generators back online is going to be crucial. The governor of Louisiana is asking everyone to take precaution as an elderly man is the first to die from a fire that sparked while he was adding fuel to his generator in order to begin the cleanup process. And lastly... Today, Senate Republicans are pushing ahead with the Supreme Court nominee. The Senate Judiciary Committee, headed by Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, is set to hold hearings both in person and virtually for some members who cannot attend, most notable 
two Republicans who have tested positive for the coronavirus. As a note in history, this is the shortest time from, from nomination to hearings of any Supreme Court justice ever. The hearings are already causing a firestorm thanks to Democrats who have called out GOP leaders for being hypocritical to their stance in 2016 when they didn't appoint Obama's nominee because it was an election year. That message seems to be working for Jamie Harrison, Senator Lindsey Graham's opponent in the Senate race in South Carolina. He hauled in a record-breaking $57 million from July to September, breaking only Beto Awards uh, in Texas fundraising of $38 million in 2018. A work loss to Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, Harrison shares the spotlight during the hearings with none other than Democratic nominee for Vice President Kamala Harris, who sits on the Senate Judiciary Committee and is off the campaign trail most of the week to get camera time in Washington. This is an update on the three news stories. Stay tuned for your real life moment and my updated guesstimation for the election this week. Okay, think of something you've always wanted to do. Whatever it is, I want you to get it on your mind. Okay, now think about what's needed in order to do it. Is it money or other resources? Is it time? Think about what it is. Okay, now stop. Whatever your goal is, whatever it is you want to do, I want you to understand that everyone you think you need or even uh, want to be a part of your plan also have their own plans. And it works out great if your plan helps them to get to where they want to go. Right In that instance, they'll just be invested in you, at least until they get to where they want to go or have what they desire. At the end of the day, and I wish I could sugarcoat this for you, but I can't. Even if you have people supporting you and cheering you on, nothing will happen until and unless you start making some progress. Our real life moment today is about moving forward. It's about progressing. It's about taking a step, that next step. If you're waiting on someone to come knock on your door to help you get started, that's not going to happen. You will never accomplish what you want to accomplish if you wait. Now, we understand the power of pause on this podcast. I've talked to you before about the power of pause, a concept I get from Kevin Cashman's book, The Pause Principle. In it, he says, quote, Paul's powers purposeful performance, end quote. So I want you to pause at some point to step back and look at the plan, the plan entirely. And if you have to perform, you know, perform. But eventually, <laughs> you're going to have to perform at some point. You cannot stay where you are. So many of you know that I have had the goal of creating my own podcast for years now. It didn't just start in 2020. This podcast, the content that you're listening to right now, and the idea of what I would talk about started in 2018. I got the idea that I should do a YouTube show or some kind of talk show that I could be able to share my personality and my thoughts on political issues of the day in a way that gets people engaged and also keeps them informed. I've been a political junkie now for 11 years, and I'm not patting myself on the back, but I know that people love to hear me talk about politics for whatever reason. It's a gift God has given, and I wanted to find some way to use it. But in 2018, I had all kinds of excuses, right? I didn't have the right phone. I wanted to get a new laptop. I should first get a website. I should connect and maybe pay someone to write the content. I even thought that I shouldn't go 
in this alone, that it would be better if I could interview people or have a circle of political junkies that would help. And there's still some of that to come, by the way. I can still do all of that. But it was hard, I see now, especially getting people to be interested in something I had not started. It's like the old cliche, build the house and they will come. Well, I was trying to get people to come to empty space and help me build a house. (laughs) And I'm not saying for all of my fellow podcasters out there that you shouldn't do this with someone. I'm not saying that you shouldn't neglect or throw out the idea of going in as a team. I'm saying that I underestimated myself and I devalue what I brought to the table because of fear. And that fear cost me two years of thinking about doing this instead of just doing it. This podcast so far has been more successful than I ever imagined. Last week, somehow I got a new listener in Singapore. So you in Singapore, thank you. I hope you enjoy what you hear and share this with all of your friends. I am so grateful for the response of all of you who listen and follow or subscribe to this podcast. And I think about how I could have been further had I not been afraid or waited on other people two years ago. My cousin once asked to borrow some money one time. Now, (laughs) I knew I wasn't going to get this money back, but that wasn't my wish when I gave it to him. Now, it would have been nice to get my money back, and I'm still waiting, but I gave him the money because I wanted to see what he would do with it. I wanted to see if he could turn what I gave him into something bigger. That's why everyone is looking at you. Yes, you who's listening to my voice right now. They're looking at you to see what you will do with the resources you have. I'm not going to invest in something either financially or with my time that is not growing. I'm not going to water a dead plant. Now, I just had you think about what you need. Frankly, I don't care. I want to know what you're doing with what you got. I want to see how effective you can be with all of the experiences and resources uh, and networks you currently have. How far can you go? If you can't work with the little you have, no one will give you more. So this week, I want you to evaluate what's in your hand, what you have. And I want you to plan to use all of what you have to accomplish what you want or do something you've always wanted to do. Now, you have always wanted to do something, go somewhere or accomplish something for the last 10 years. Then I'm talking specifically to you. In 365 days from now, you are no closer to realizing your dream. If you are no closer to realizing your dream, at least I blame you. If you're going to wait for someone to come give it to you, I blame you. And I decline your invitation to your pity party. But for most of you, I hope that you would use what you have starting today to realize your goals. Want to lose weight but can't afford gym membership? Go running. Need shoes? Invest in new shoes. Can't run? Walk. Do squats. Can't afford dumbbells? Use body weight. Use what you have until you get what you need in order to get what you want. Want to write a book? Start typing. No computer? Use pen and paper tape recorder, use your phone, jot down ideas, whatever you have, use it. Don't wait two years. Someone in Singapore could be listening to your music right now. They could be following your new recipe from your cookbook, but you can't wait. You must start today. 
Okay, so that's what we're doing. Up next, my take on the election cycle and how I feel about guns later on. Stay tuned. Well, this election cycle is just crazy. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, I guess all are. Uh, I told you before that 30 days on the campaign trail, especially toward the end of the campaign trail, is a very, very long time. There are a lot of things to do. Both candidates, at least in theory, are swamped with appearances and photo ops and interviews almost nonstop for about 16 hours a day. In fact, the hardest part about being president is running for president. It is a numbers game, and the best campaign strategists use those numbers and play the game to win. So if I am working for the Biden campaign, I'm feeling pretty good right now. If I'm working for the Trump campaign, I am very concerned, especially because I have a candidate who was diagnosed with the coronavirus, and no one can say for sure if he's no longer contagious because his doctors, of course, won't tell us. What they do tell us is that his health is improving. Okay, great. Is he still a spreader, though, is the question. Uh, Can we put him at a rally of 10,000 people, let's say, in Ohio, for instance, which if I was working for the Trump campaign, I would want to do right now. Instead, the Trump campaign is uh, pulling ads um, out of Ohio in order to get resources to much more needed places. Now, the Biden campaign is eating this up. They think that this is Trump conceding Ohio. However, I just think that's foolish. I think Trump can win Ohio, even though the polls are closed. Um, Now, it shouldn't be a tight race. I will give the Biden camp that Ohio should not be as tight as it is. And no Republican has won the White House without winning Ohio. And if I'm looking at the map right now, Ohio seems a lot like a safer bet than, let's say, Arizona. Florida even, according to the polls, is up for grabs, and the Biden camp has essentially unlimited resources to pour into Florida in these final days of the campaign. But if there is one reliable state for Trump right now, I think it's Ohio. So it makes sense to put that money somewhere else. Trump's campaign has one big issue, though. Biden, again, has essentially unlimited resources. Biden is in Ohio campaigning today, plans to make two stops. Trump can't be in Ohio right now. Mike Pence is in Michigan, which I think is a total waste of that resource. I drove through my neighborhood in Detroit and a little of the burbs yesterday uh, when I went to visit. I found it extremely hard to find a Trump sign. Instead, Biden and Peters, who is the Democratic Senate candidate and incumbent, uh, signs are all over the place, right? I even stopped off 96 in Howell, part of the House district that was flipped in 2018 from a Republican, and I was surprised to see Biden and Peter signs again. Although when you get off the freeway there, you'll see Trump signs from the resident who lives there right across the street, you know, from where the exit is. The mere fact that I saw a Biden sign, though, in this part of Michigan is a problem for the Trump campaign. Uh, To top it off, while Trump hates the Democratic governor of Michigan, a majority of Michiganders approve of her, over 50%. Attacking the governor of Michigan right now, if you're on the Trump campaign, is just not something you want to do. October 2nd, Trump was averaging 43.4%. Now he's averaging 42.6%. Though there is a new poll out today that shows him at 43.2%. And this is all while Biden is restarting the ground game and after months of banning the knocking on doors from his campaign due to the virus concerns. With Biden having as much resources and Trump not, it's imperative that Trump use those resources very wisely, especially when you look at poll numbers. I told you all before, and I will repeat, uh, Trump needs his approval 
in that 43-45% range, right? That's where he won in 2016. He can win again if he can get those numbers there and maintain. Over the course of the past week, even after what was a successful debate performance by Mike Pence that has only been remembered thanks to the fly that landed on his head, Trump's poll numbers are slipping. He's now averaging 41%. Now, this is dangerous territory. If Trump can't get that back up to 43% bar, and I believe he can and he will, uh, this election is just about over if he, if he doesn't, though. Mainly because voting has already started in some of the most needed swing states and ballots are already being mailed in. What makes it worse, though, is that as his numbers go down, Biden's approval goes up. And this didn't happen in 2016 the way that it's happening now. Since October 4th, so that's what, a week ago, Trump's approval has on average ticked down. And with the setbacks over the weekend, I don't see a changing course this week. But, you know, next week is fair game. Trump is going to have to get it together or risk and embrace being a one-term president. In battleground states, uh, Trump is behind or the race is very tight. And for some states, the race shouldn't be very tight. One thing that may help is getting more support from suburban women. Trump can't do it alone. He needs help, which is why the SCOTUS nomination is so important for his campaign this week. Unfortunately for Trump, though, at this time, the opposition literally has a vocal and more notable seat. With the hearings underway, people seem to be more interested in how Kamala Harris is going to grill and destroy the nominee than they are actually in the nominee. No doubt this is going to be carried live on all the networks, especially when Harris begins to speak. And what's worse, Harris has direct access to cameras and reporters both before and after to lay the groundwork and push to Biden's campaign message. So many complex issues, so many complex situations. Um, all in all, though, I am still predicting a Trump win. Now, I downgraded to likely a couple of weeks ago, and I'm now between likely and toss up. I don't think Biden has this in a bag as much as Democrats like to believe. I think we we see that in those suburban counties in Ohio. We see that with the non-college educated voters who make up nearly the majority of voters in Pennsylvania. I think Florida is his and Texas. I think the test of Biden is going to be turnout like with Clinton in 2016 in Michigan. If it rains, I give Michigan a Trump. As we know, Democratic voter turnout decreases when it rains. Long lines, I give it to Trump. Nearly 3 million absentee ballots have been requested. The voting time laws in Michigan are very strict. And even if your ballot is postmarked on election day, if it is received after 8 p.m., it won't be counted. There's mass confusion on how to fill it out. Trump won Michigan with less than 10,000 votes in 2016. I think he can do it again if all the stars align and just by pure luck i think they're shaping up up next your stupid trophy awards and uh but first get my take on guns with the question should the federal government institute a mandatory buyback of assault weapons stay tuned All right, so our hot topic of the day um, is should the feds institute a mandatory buyback of assault weapons? Short answer, I don't think so. In fact, 
no no the fed should not engage in mandatory buybacks so this is just my take this is my opinion um you can take it how you will uh now I am not one to argue that people who are mentally insane or those who have committed violent felonies should have access to guns. I firmly believe that we should have a background check system that helps us keep track of who owns which gun and pretty much mostly for that purpose. In some states, if not all, you can't get a gun if you have ever been convicted of a violent felony or you are a registered sex offender. Even more so, you can't get a gun if you have been charged in a domestic abuse situation. Now, as I said before, I'm not want to argue against that. However, we have to understand what we're asking for. The Second Amendment was indeed put in place in order for Americans, not explicitly American citizens, as the Second Amendment says nothing about citizens, but people on American soil to prevent and fight back against foreign aggression and domestic tyranny. Now, this is not a history class. I won't argue if indeed that is still needed or if Americans should still be in fear of foreign aggression or domestic tyranny, because that doesn't matter. It is the Second Amendment. It is the Constitution. Does the government have the right to regulate which kind of guns we buy, though? I think so. The amendment literally reads, well-regulated militia being necessary to security of a free state. Emphasis on well-regulated. And the government seems to, to also think so. I can't go buy a bazooka or nuclear material. But the government is not, in my opinion, and I'm no legal expert at this, designed to disarm, nor should it disarm people on American soil. At its core, we have a right to arms. Now, I am not given license to some arguments that seems to come from the right. I want to make that clear as this is just a podcast for the truth and honest conversation without all the partisan rhetoric. First, the argument that you need a gun to prevent tyranny Please understand that in light of the fact that we have a standard military, which is not the founding father's original intent, by the way, you have no chance against any president, Democrat or Republican, if they decide to go crazy. <laughs> OK, <laughs> the military has things like tanks and fighter jacks, Tomahawk missiles and drones. If they wanted to kill you, there are plenty of ways to do so. So you're not doing yourself or any of us any favors by claiming to hold a small arsenal in the case of tyranny. Also, you only make it harder to tell black people who are shot by the cops that they should just comply when you're building an arsenal with the intent to not comply with orders you deem unlawful or that runs contrary to your idea of freedom. Secondly, if you, you are just not that special, I'm sorry to break it to you like that, no one is coming for your guns. I hate every election cycle when we have to have this debate or after every school shooting. Literally, no one is coming for the guns of law-abiding citizens, mainly because they have guns, <laughs> right? There will never be some volunteer with a nice t-shirt and a cap at your door asking for your guns because you have guns. Uh, and the police will not be sent by Democratic president or governor to collect your guns. That's literally not how the system works, even if that Democratic leader literally wanted to take your guns. I am also not given the idea license on the left. Every single time we talk about gun buyback programs, of course, we start in impoverished neighborhoods. We know that people of color are disproportionately impoverished um, and they live in impoverished neighborhoods. Essentially, your idea 
of gun buyback programs leaves people of color without the ability to defend themselves or use guns for sport because you presented the false choice of paying next month's rent or owning a gun to a bunch of poor people. That's not acceptable. Then what happens is people of color end up the ones without access to protection, which is already disproportionate as one in three black men go to prison, which means black men are less likely to have the ability to legally own a firearm. Adding to that, some states have mandatory sentences for illegally owning uh, or possessing a firearm at any time, like Michigan, where it's two years. Who's going to protect black people against racists? And how are we going to hunt without guns? Speaking of which, they need to give Elmer Fudd his gun back. Take out your Bible and your offering again. He cannot hunt rabbits without his gun. I'm just saying it is a staple of the cartoon. I understand the reasoning behind doing something different, but let's let the kids have what's left of SpongeBob put Elmer Fudd on Adult Swim for us grown people and call it even? I say we do that. All right. Close your books and give your offering as you know, you feel led. All in all, I oppose buyback gun programs, uh, even though I support a conversation where we address our gun culture. It is up to us as a society to ensure that we do what's right with our weapons and we not allow people who shouldn't have a gun access to our guns. If I know my son is insane and he scares me, Why would I dare give him access to my guns? And speaking of insanity, I think we should invest in mental health programs and services that help people deal with issues that would cause them to pick up a gun. In the meantime, I want to be able to defend myself if I want to go watch the new Black Panther in theaters from some idiot who's upset that he can't get a girlfriend. Or better yet, I want to be able to not get eaten alive by the raccoons who terrorize and threaten my existence every single night they're really the danger not anybody else and that's just my take on guns up next uh the stupid trophy award okay so this story is insane (laughs) you ever wanted to fake your own death maybe to stop having to pay student loans or when you found out that they were cutting the McDonald's menu down due to the Rona. Yes, I was very close. Depression just had me tight over that. Okay. Anyways, guy by the last name Burger, go figure, uh, 25 years old out of New Jersey, is facing charges for a couple accounts of vehicle theft. He somehow tricks his lawyer who helps and tried to fake his own death. He forwarded a death certificate and submitted it to the New York District Attorney's Office. And he almost got away with it. Everything looked legit. He obviously put a lot of time into being um, that, you know, it's fake and all. And he went through all of the loops, right? Paper and color. The only slight pause was with the font size that was different in some areas. But for the most part, it looked pretty good. Until the office reads this thing closely. The certificate was meant to look like it came from New Jersey's Department of Health vital and statistics and registry well guy spelled registry wrong instead of spelling it r-e-g-i-s-t-r-y he spelled it r-e-g-s-i-t-r-y oh lord 
God, get your life together. How can you mess this up? Needless to say, a bunch of lawyers will automatically assume that an entire department of a state government wouldn't get something like that wrong, right? Its own name. That kind of type of wouldn't be made. Also, you have to remember that New York and New Jersey do a lot of business together. Those prosecutors would have seen a document like this before. But that's not why he got the stupid trophy award this week, though. So when the New York prosecutor's office verified that the document was fake with New Jersey, they charged the guy with another felony, this time with filing a false instrument. He, after already pleading guilty to the grand theft auto charges that I told you about just a while ago, he pleads not guilty for trying to fake his own death. (laughs) I mean, dude, come on. See, this is why we, upon this podcast, we practice our reading and writing. Faking your own death is really the absolute wrong time to have typos. I mean, I just don't understand. And, you know, I've had my fair share of typos, especially in college, because I'm a procrastinator, so I understand. But this dude literally may have gotten away if he, he had only had a proofreader. Son, you've got to get some writer to read your work, to go over it. I mean, ain't they taught you nothing in New Jersey? What's going on? I think we all need to take a trip to New Jersey so we can figure out what's going on in this education system. Because everybody knows you've got to have somebody look over your work before you submit it. And apparently this guy didn't. But he gets the stupid trophy award because he pleads not guilty to faking his own death while at the same time pleading guilty to Grand Theft Auto. For this week, guys, we are not going to be trying to fake our own death. And if we are, we are going to have somebody proofread our fake death certificate. I'm just saying, you know... How many loans he could have been forgiven of? Somebody probably would have got a nice payout of life insurance. And here it is. He done messed it all up by doing something stupid and not proofreading and not going over his writing. Anyways, I'm done talking about him. He gets a super trophy award this week. Don't be stupid. Say it with me. Don't be stupid. This week, next week, at no time is it the right time to be stupid. Stay stay safe, stay smart, and I'll talk to you next week.